Welcome to this episode of The Authentic Advisor, which discusses and debates the hot topics impacting business advisors globally. My name's James Mason. I'm joined today to talk about succession in family businesses by Harry Crass from the Family Business Resource Centre, who's based in Victoria, Australia, and has been with Mindshop for 25 years now. So thanks for joining me, Harry. James, thanks for the invitation. Great to speak to you. Yeah, we've, we've known each other for, for many years, and as we've touched on, we've had lots of conversations about all things family and succession being in a family business ourselves. And, and I know with a lot of the work you do, it's you know around communication, developing vision, values, strategy, uh, transitioning the next generation. But it'd be good to hear your journey to date to get into that particular space and, and before we get into discussing the wider topic of succession. Yeah, sure. Well, I, uh, I started off as a chartered accountant. I've called myself, or for the last 20-odd years, I've been calling myself a reformed accountant. Um, our client base were predominantly uh, SMEs. Uh, they were family businesses, even though I didn't really regard them as, as such at the time. Uh, we tended to help our clients uh, focus on the financial side of their businesses. Uh, and I found I was looking for ways of helping clients beyond the numbers. Uh, we'd be pulling information out of the, out of the financials and uh, some operators were really great. They'd take that information, run with it, fix it. I'd come back a month or two or three later and we're on to the next one. Um, but a lot of them, though they were great at the technical side of their business, really had no management training or skills training in that area. Uh, so I was looking for, for uh, ways I could help them and came across uh, Chris, Chris Mason, in 1992, early 1992. Um, and that was kind of the start of a whole new journey for me that it was quite unexpected. I was quite happy in my role as it was. Uh, in about, I think it was 97, around 97, uh, Chris uh, started talking to us about looking for a niche. And I can remember looking around the room at the uh, Victorian advisors at the time thinking, yeah, there are some really smart, clever guys here. How am I possibly going to compete with them? And the concept of niche really took hold. Mm -hmm. uh, when I thought back to my client base, it was fairly diverse. So we had clients in all sorts of industries. But when I looked for a common denominator, it was that uh, the, the fact that they were predominantly um, family-owned and managed businesses, mm. not that I was dealing with the issues. Um, at around about the same time in 97, Monash University in Melbourne um, undertook a survey of the family business uh, market marketplace. And one of the things that came out of it was that over 50% of the family businesses uh, the CEOs were aged over 50, and 60% of them were planning to retire before 2006. Mm -hmm. And that was going to lead to not only an enormous wealth transfer, and, and my head was kind of more around the estate planning uh, aspect of that, but also leadership transfer. And I thought, well, this, is, this has got to be a really good market to get into. <laughs> yeah, yes, it sounds, sounded like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as it ended up, Family business was just a natural fit for me, mm. and it um, just became my purpose in life. I, uh, I, I know I'm doing what I should be doing. Um, the timing was excellent. It was just starting as a discipline in Australia, uh, Family Business Australia, which is a, 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 a body that uh, addresses the issues of family businesses, was just forming as a, as a national group. And so I just got on at the start of a wave, um, which mm. is... Um, and it seems to come around in a cycle every sort of four to five years. It's uh, and it seems to be at, you know in this sort of post COVID period, it, it's coming to the top of um, people's uh, 
I guess, top of mind, if, if you like, again, I'm seeing lots of articles on uh, it. And- probably. Uh, it was a slow burn. So uh, I was attracted by those numbers, um, but uh, nobody had actually told the, uh, the business owners themselves that uh, it was time for them to get out or think about getting out. Yeah. Uh, and well, so- and, well, that probably leads me to my first question because you, you hear succession, um, you know, as I said, always comes around as a hot topic, but so many family businesses and, and businesses in general put off discussing it. From your experience, and I know being in a family business ourselves, um, you know, it's not a topic that you, you get to. Um, it's sort of down the priority list. But why do you think a lot of people do put it off? Uh, look, it's probably a bit like uh, death and taxes. Uh, and nobody really wants to think about it. Uh, and I can remember in the early days, every person I'd speak to about it knew somebody who had died within six months of retirement. Mm. Not a great selling point. No, no, uh, I wouldn't have thought so. So it's that. and But I suppose seriously also it's how do you bring to an end a lifetime's work? People are invariably very passionate about their businesses. It's been occupying their minds not quite 24-7 but not far off it uh, for a long period of time. Um, it's who they are. Mm. Um, walking away from that is just very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, you know, it drives their purpose. It drives a lot of things. And as you said, you know, people sort of, you know, you can only play on so many golf courses and, uh, you know, go on so many cruises and the like. And, and you know, people are sort of saying, well, what do I move on to next? Yeah. Well, that, that often they haven't thought beyond that. It's, it, you know, their world is around certainly their families, but also their business activities, their, their customers, their employees, their suppliers have all become their friends. Mm. Um, they're part of their social life. It's, it's, it defines who they are. Yeah. Um, and, be- and also within the family, there's uh, some stuff that's been done on what's called the succession conspiracy. It, it's not just the leader who, who's resisting succession. Um, it provides um, often you know, status and a position for other family members, um, um, the, the leader's wife or husband uh, has a connection with that business. Um, the kids are involved in it. Um, I've been in very disjointed families um, and they've asked me to speak to the next generation and find out are they interested in succession, some of whom have very little to do with the business. Um, and they all say, absolutely. You know, like mm. if, we weren't, if we had to drive down the street and it didn't have our family name in the front of it, I'd have to find another route. Yes. Um, and then there'll be um, suppliers, long-term employees, customers, all have a relationship with the leader, financiers. They're all yeah, sort of tough. pulling against <laughs> him moving on. Well, tough to, tough to walk away from. So if, you, if you're trying to get a successful succession plan in place, what are some of the key success factors that you see in that? Uh, look, I suppose the first is the realisation that it's a process, it's not an event. Um, you really have to work it through and uh, bring all the stakeholders along with you, uh, and particularly when there are family members either having an ownership stake or uh, engaged in the business in, in a managerial or an employment uh, role, uh, they will have considerations that are also important important to bring along. Mm. Uh, as I say, I started from an estate planning perspective, mm-hmm. and um, but what I've come to realise is um, it's not so much the mechanics, it's the dynamics. Mm. It's understanding 
what's happening in people's heads and, and where they're at. And often um, all the stuff going below the surface, which if it isn't addressed or it isn't discussed or at least thought of, um, can torpedo a process um, and you'll be totally oblivious as to why it's happened. Hmm. Uh, you know, why can't I get them to sign off on this? Why? Which is what happened to me. Um, yes. And, and there's stuff going on that you that, that, that is below the surface, and if you're not aware of it, it can really um, um, make it very, very difficult for it to continue. Well, and that's probably an attribute of the success of observing you over the years that you know, I've seen a lot that it can have a quite a rigid process. And, you know, we go through these 15 steps, you know, when we're working through succession plan, as you said, the mechanics, but you can miss some of the real gold and the real um, hurdles that people are trying to address just by not opening up channels of communication that somebody might not just like the other person. Or, and there's, it's an unspoken barrier that, that won't flow out necessarily if you're just going through a checklist mode so that more facilitated approach that you seem to embrace seems to get good cut through and open up more communication yeah absolutely and it's um i I, for the last 20 odd years called myself a family business facilitator Mm. which is fantastic because no one knows what it is Mm -hmm. Uh, when i call myself an accountant it set up mental images that i can create the image of what i do and and that is really helping people through um a, a position in life which is often inevitable it's kind of going to happen, and you can ignore it or keep pushing it backwards, um, but it, it will happen. Um, how would you like it to happen? How would yes. you like to control that process so that you get the outcomes that you've really been looking for and you've been working toward over the last 30, 40 years? So do you use a number of, of models as you go through that process, culminating in a, in a set plan itself as, as, I guess, the succession plan? Well, absolutely. I've got a... Um, a process. So the the first stage comes out of the family business literature and the stuff I've learned, which is you start by actually sitting down and meeting with all the key people. Mm-hmm. And key will include, in, in the case of a, of a of a male leader of a business, it'll include spending time with his wife, um, kids who may or may not be involved in the business. Um, if the kids are married, I'll often speak to their spouses mm-hmm. um, because they will have an impact and an influence. Mm. Uh, it'll be key advisors to the business. It might be key members of the, of the, of the staff. I want to find out what the hell's going on. Um, and from each person's perspective, and it's, it's the stuff that they often don't want to talk about. Um, if you have a business which has a, either an external CEO or an external leadership team, um, and you have a family member working in the business who's not performing, it's often difficult for that external employee mm. to raise that conversation mm. with uh, his, his boss about his daughter or his son. Mm. Uh, how do I tell them that they're a no-hoper? Mm. Mm. <laughs> so I'll be having a conversation. The conclusion of that first stage is often uh, we'll have a family meeting. And um, I used to go with reports. I started with long, detailed reports got older and lazier, uh, then I'd go in with a trip chart and I'd have these are the key issues I found. Um, for the last 10 or 15 years, all I need is a whiteboard, a blank mm. whiteboard, and we'll start listing the issues. And my message to people as I speak to them is this might be the last chance you actually have to raise the stuff that concerns you. Uh, and some of, all, some of it will be difficult things that you you don't want to Bring, bring bring to the table because 
you, you kind of think you know what everybody's responsible be. You don't want to start World War Three. Um, uh, you might be um, not confident enough to, to raise those issues with the family. Um, and I'm there to protect them and to get them, give them the space to put that issue on the table. Um, not necessarily to solve it at that stage, just to list it and prioritise. Mm. And from that, we walk away with a one-page plan. Okay, and and who and so they take ownership of that plan, or you're involved in regular meetings to help implement that what plan. What will then happen? Yeah, if there is sufficient work for me, and I only deal with a small segment of a, a family business's needs, um, but if there's sufficient um, work, and it might be around succession, and it might be around conflict, or it might be the lack of a clear vision as to what they're trying to achieve, then I'll engage with them on a retainer basis, and I take them through a process that I've developed which I apply individually to a family business. Mm. Each family is unique. They've got their own ways of doing stuff. Yes. Uh, so I can't give them a, a cookie-cutter checklist type thing mm. that says this is how you do it. But uh, what i found is there's like, there's like three key stages. Uh, the first revolves around ensuring that there's a, a high level of trust and communication. Uh, they don't trust each other. You know, what hope have you got? Mm. It's very hard to get to get, to get past that. Uh, communication um, is kind of often good at the surface, but there's a reluctance to talk about the tough stuff. Uh, and also I bring into that things like managing conflict, problem solving, decision making. Um, family boards are often great. I had one client that came up with the, the, the acronym uh, SUMO, um, they'd discuss and resolve an issue, and the following meeting it would be revisited and revisited and revisited, and the sumo stood for shut up and move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, let's resolve something. So it's building a lot of those disciplines into uh, how the family and how the business operate. Mm -hmm. So we get the trust and communication working. That clears a whole lot of space. Mm -hmm. The next stage is around a building a common uniting vision. Often the leader had some sort of vision when he started, and it might have just been fed the family. Hmm. Um, if it's a multi-generational business, that will probably be more concrete. But as other family members are involved, they need to also have a stake in that. And it's about ensuring that their personal vision and what they want to achieve out of life is also brought into a this common uniting vision. Yes. Often that's based around the family values, and that's a really strong starting point that families will have because um, non-family organisations work towards establishing a list of values, but they're often stuff that's posted on the wall and no one kind of really knows what they mean and they're never referred to after, after they're created. Mm. Uh, but families have ways of doing stuff, stuff common understandings. So yes. we build and solidify that. And, and the third step? Third step is around governance, mm. um, appropriate governance systems for both the business um, and in smaller family businesses, I'll be working with them around that. Larger businesses will have a, 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 an appropriate governance structure, um, but we'll tap into that. But what they often don't have is some sort of governance system for the family, mm. some way of the family actually uh, being able to get together and talking about the, talk about the stuff that relates to how their position in the family relates to the business and ensures that family issues are kept out of the business. 
Mm. So we don't want, uh, you know, the, the brother and a sister, or, or often two brothers, having a stand-up fight, uh, debating something on the shop floor mm. or in the in the boardroom suite. Um, that's not the place for it. If it's a family issue, we need to have somewhere for that to, to take place. Mm. So we'll form a family forum or family council to lead that, and then in larger businesses there'll be a forum where uh, other members of the family can be brought in and, and brought up to date. Uh, and then there's a defined communication system. So the convener of that family forum will be the conduit to the chairman of the board if an issue uh, relates to actual business activities. Yep. Uh, so don't talk and, to everybody. And you bring in other um, expertise around that, like an accountant and lawyers and, uh, you know, somebody that might have it in, in much more the mechanical areas? Or? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I always tell people I, I only do the easy stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I, leave, I leave the hard stuff to the, the lawyers, the accountants, yeah. uh, the financial planners. They, they do the technical stuff. Okay. Uh, uh, and, and certainly that's important both at the, the, the corporate level, at the business level, but also at the family level. So there's a wealth plan. Yes. Wealth how the family deals with wealth is, a, is an important discussion point. Yeah, so what, uh, so what, what's the number one, one reason you see plans fail, Is there, if you had to name one? Uh, well, they fail. Um, the obvious answer is just a lack of planning hmm. or the process is rushed. Hmm. Um, you know, you, the last thing I want is somebody who rings me up and says, look, I've had enough. I'm getting out of here next week or next month. Um, if somebody asks me uh, genuinely how long it takes, I'll tell them it'll be a three or a five-year process. It might take longer, it might take shorter, but it, it is a process. Um, it's a massive change. Yes. It's a massive change both at a business level and at a personal level. Yeah, and it has to be an ongoing build-up well, to those conversations over time. And, and and looking at the environment we're in at the moment where we're hopefully starting to see a little bit of a glimmer of light at the end of the whole COVID uh, tunnel That when we're recording this, do you see changes in families that you've dealt with to date or those that you might have been recently chatting to that are, you know, are they accelerating plans around succession or are they putting it off or where are you seeing people landing at the moment? Look, it's interesting. Uh, there was a recent um, Family Business Australia uh, survey, uh, 2021, undertaken by Grant Thornton. Uh, it's just been released. One of the findings that I found really interesting was that in 2018, 72% of family businesses we're looking at to transition their leadership over the next four years. So 2018, 72%. 2021, that's dropped to 57%, mm. right? which, which really surprised me. Uh, now, it covers a lot of the COVID period, but is it due to COVID? Is it COVID-related? Um, I don't know, but um, the COVID period provided a substantial part of that. Mm, so they're pulling uh, back uh, from some of their pulling it back, yeah. Uh, at an anecdotal level, I've found with the amount of clients and others I've spoken to, uh, COVID actually has sped up the process in some cases. Uh, the older generation uh, have been COVID cautious, so they've been pulled, they've pulled back from the business. Um, even if the business has continued to operate, and I'm thinking of one in particular where the business has continued to operate quite well and quite profitably, strongly during the period. Um, but um, the parents who are both actively involved in the business um, didn't go in, you know? mm. and it meant it opened up space for the next generation um, to step in and to step up, and they've done it magnificently. 
Yes. Uh, you know, business has, has been outperforming uh, past uh, what it what has done in the past really, really well. And that's given the, the incumbents the confidence to see that, hey, actually, they can handle it. Yes. And, and as you've touched on throughout our conversation, opening those channels of communication, because you find for so many uh, business owners, even family business owners, you know, often their business is giving them their best returns. And as you You've touched on it. It's, it's you know they're having a lot of fun with it. So to try and find a nice um, hybrid where it's not maybe a, a cold turkey. Okay, we're we're completely stepping away from this, but yeah. a gradual evolution seems to be a lot more of a logical approach to take that into consideration rather than something that's just that, you know this rigid. Okay, one moment you're you're doing this, one yeah. the next minute you're a, you know away doing something else. Well, part of it, and I'll do it in every case. But um, again, this one that I was referring to. Um, the father, we've put him in the role. He has a few roles now. One is ambassador. He knows everybody in the industry. Mm. He knows all the associations. He knows all the suppliers. He's got great contacts. He's just, he loves this concept of being the ambassador. He's out there representing. Uh, he's now got time because he's not day-to-day in the business to actually ring up you know, old mates in the industry and find out what's going on mm. um, and, and learn about trends. So, he was probably doing a bit of that, but it was caught up, swept up in all the day-to-day of running a business. Hmm. Um, he's also involved in the strategy. He loves the strategic part. So he he's want, wants an ongoing role in the strategy development and direction of the business. So we're founding, finding two or three different roles. Yeah, perfect. Um, in engineering firms, it'll often be technical, um, new product development, you know, the yeah. stuff getting back to their roots and tinkering with things that they were doing in the early days but, but lost touch with as the business has grown. Yeah, that's great. No, some great points there. Uh, just some final questions to finish off to, to pick your your brain on a, a few other matters. Uh, so some rapid fire authentic questions, if you like. Uh, what's the one trend that you feel is most overhyped in succession planning? You've seen a lot over the journey. So what, what's the one that you see most overhyped? <laughs> uh, well, I suppose uh, when I go back to 97, the concept of succession planning was Kind of overhyped thing. <laughs> I so the, whole, the whole thing. <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah, nobody wanted to know about it. Yeah. Um, so, so that was the, there. Uh, the baby suppose, boomers exiting title so that well, kept coming no, up. Nobody told them they were supposed to get out. You know, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, that was still onto it. And, uh, as you say, having fun, in control, uh, life expectancy's grown. You know, yep. I think back, I, I, yeah, having 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 got to that stage of life where I'm. The other side of seventy, uh, I think back to when I was twenty or thirty, and 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 uh, thought of my parents and their friends at fifty and sixty, they were old. Mm. <laughs> I'm seventy three. I'm I'm still I'm still quite young. You know, yeah, you're, you're at your peak. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Fantastic. So, what, what's the the second question I had was, what's the most valuable skill an advisor can have when they're working with a family business? If you had to just name one or two, uh, I actually think back to something I learned from Mike Boyle. Which is you've got to ask for the sale, mm. um, and by that I don't necessarily mean it from a sale in a sales context, but you've got to bring up the issue of succession. Yes, uh, and so often the advisor, the, you know, trusted advisor would be at an accountant or a mind shop uh, advisor working with a family. If they're not raising the issue, nobody will. Mm. So it's actually putting it on the table in the first place. And accountants and mind shop facilitators are in a great position. Mm. Uh, if you think about it. Um, every strategic plan should have a succession plan as part of it. Absolutely. It's part of a long-term planning. Um, and be a key component of the vision to a certain extent. Absolutely. And mm. so that's what you're building toward. 
Mm. Um, and if you want something to continue or if you want to exit in some other way, um, you, it, it, it's certainly a foundational part of any strategic plan. Okay. Um, also, I suppose it's uh, about building relationships, starting the conversation. Um, I'll often get the phone call from the next generation saying, <laughs> I've been ready. Uh, you know, I've been in this business now for 35 years. I'm 62 and I'm about ready to retire and my old man won't hand over the keys. Mm. Um, and often it'll be because they're, they're, um, they're I, I have a belief that people do things for their reasons, not mine. So they're presenting their arguments as to why he should get out the door. Mm. And I counsel them, and often it's a coaching exercise, in, in, in look at it from his perspective. He's mm. got everything going for him. He's got control. He runs a checkbook all this stuff, why should he let go? Yes. Get to know him, have some really in-depth meetings and understanding of him to um, uh, find out what would motivate him to be doing it. Okay, great. No, good points there. And finally, if you could learn one lesson earlier in life, what would have been uh, that to accelerate your career? Uh, 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 I'd jump sooner. <laughs> I jump, jump out of the accounting space into the well, whatever you know. I'm crashed by name, procrastinator by nature. <laughs> I, I'll think about things long and hard, um, and I, I actually think of often think of a comment uh, Chris made to me very early on in my uh, in my mind shop journey that that he could see strengths in me that I couldn't see, mm. um, but I was governed by my own beliefs, my own limiting beliefs rather than broadening those out. So it would be just have confidence, um, go for it. I, I was a happy accountant, loved my mm. role, loved my work, but I'm a hell of a lot happier in the, in what I've done over the last uh, 25 or so years. Yeah, well, and I'm sure there's a number of family businesses around uh, Australia and the world that are happy that you jumped into that niche as well with all the great work you've done. So, um, so Harry, some fantastic insights there. I'm sure people have gained a, a lot of great um, ideas and thoughts and approaches that they can embrace in their own uh, advisory businesses uh, that are listening today. So uh, thanks very much for your time today. Um, um, yeah, really appreciated it. Thanks, James. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. Yeah, great. Thank you.